Welcome back to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Yin Yin Lee from Madison, New Jersey, and Riley Overend from Los Angeles, California. How's it going, y'all? Happy summer. Honored to get the call up the big <laughs> leagues finally. What is the summer like in New Jersey, Yin Yin? Um, very um erratic temperature changes. Um, like when it first started to get hot, it would be like 80 degrees for one week, and then it would go down to the 60s. And obviously, we had the whole smoke thing going on um, with the air quality. And yeah, so very, very erratic. Maybe that's just the New Jersey thing. <laughs> we know a little bit about the, the air quality issues out here. In Austin, the air is great. It's just super humid, so... You can't really breathe anyway because it feels like you're breathing in a puddle, which uh, I think as swimmers, we're kind of used to doing that. So, you know, it works out. Maybe that's why so many swimmers live here. I don't know. Anyway, we've got a lot of news to talk about. So let's dive right into it. Australian trials happened. The Australian World Championship team is set. Uh, there were a lot of takeaways and a lot of really great swims at this meet. Um, I'm going to start just kind of with your overall analysis of the team on the women's side in terms of will the women still be dominant or still be the heavy favorites rather uh, heading into this meet in all three relays? What's what's your take on four by one, four by two and the medley on for the Australian women? Yin Yin, let's start with you. Yeah, I think the uh, conversation's the same that it has been for the last two or three years. They're obviously the heavy favorites in the 4x100. I don't see anyone coming close to them. With the two for 4x200, it's also sort of a similar conversation, whereas they're the heavy favorites on paper, but they kind of just have to get it together on the big stage because obviously they've had their um mishaps with what happened in Tokyo and last year there's always just one or two swimmers on that relay that um make the relay significantly slower than it was supposed to be on paper and that closes the gap for other teams like the U.S. in China to beat them and I was actually looking at the uh, totals uh, of their times like the fastest possible times and it adds up to a seven. 37-1, which is obviously two seconds faster than their own world record. And I think the U.S., um, if we were to put their fast swimmers together, so Katie Ledecky, Bella Sims, Aaron Gemmel, and Claire Weinstein, I think they would add up to a 739-ish, which is, that's two seconds of error room. And if if they can add less than two seconds, then they win. But it's just a matter of how much they add and then with the medley I think the U.S. um was already a favorite and that meet just proved that they were even more favorites because the Australians really need to figure out their whole breaststroke situation with no one broke 106 at trials and they're probably gonna have to use Kaylee McEwen and I just don't I just don't see them beating like a well-rounded balanced U.S. team where they have a good swimmer in all four strokes. So that's my take on the women's relays. I think uh, both both freestyle relays, again, are going to be the heavy favorites. I think they're going to have some really interesting des- decisions to make with that medley relay. Um, I think Abby Harkin being a few tenths off her best time in the 100 breasts is a good sign for her. 
Um, but again, yeah, not ideal um, there on the breaststroke. Like you could throw in Kayla McHugh in there, get Shayna Jack on um, the anchor freestyle, um, switch around Molly O into the leadoff back, and you're gonna have two. Uh, you're gonna have some swimmers there not swimming their specialties, but even with the Shayna Jack option, you're only about a second behind Abby Harkin um, with that Molly O McHugh and McHugh Emma McCown and Shayna lineup. So. Uh, I, I think overall you probably stick with Abby Harkin on the breaststroke leg, but um, it's going to be really interesting whether they consider throwing Kaylee in there as well. I will. I want to talk about the 400 free relay so badly, but I just don't think there's anything to say. I think the U.S. women are still kind of figuring it out. <laughs> I think we'll see what happens at trials and how everyone looks, but the fact that we have two women who have been 52-9 flat start as our top end is just not going to do it uh, against what do they have? Like six women who have been 52. That might be a slight exaggeration, but. Um, McKeon, uh, Jack O'Callaghan, Harris, Wilson. That's at least five. Jesus. Yeah. I like Bronte Campbell was swimming, but didn't even, I don't, she didn't qualify for the team. Kate Campbell. Finished six in the 100 free so technically she could swim on the relay but i'm not sure if she will do you think that they would give her a a prelim swim and if so do you think she would take it uh considering that she has the 400 free prelim that day but do you think she would take it to get a, another gold medal um who else would they put on the prelims relay i guess <laughs> just throw a dart at a board finals they go mckeon O'Callaghan, Jack, and Harris. Um, yeah, I guess or or Wilson. Maybe, I think maybe Brian Throssell. They they have a lot of options, so I think it's just even if Timmis doesn't swim this relay, they're they're gonna make the finals anyways. They just they just have so much depth. I guess that's more of a legacy question. Like, do you think it it's it it is worth the risk of? Titmus swimming 100 freestyle and prelims, which might affect her night 400 free if she wins a gold medal as a prelim swimmer, which like we don't normally see someone of her stature swim a prelims relay. That's an interesting calculation there. I, I think a gold medal is still a gold medal, but yeah, once you're at the, the status of Ariane Titmus, I don't know how much that, that counts for you if you're just going to be a prelim swimmer. Yeah, I just don't know if it's going to be worth her energy I mean, Katie Ledecky swam on the 4x100 in Rio and as originally as a prelim swimmer, but then she went 52 in prelims and then swam in final. So if Ledecky can do it, but obviously different different situation because the U.S. probably has less depth than Australia. Yeah, I'm just thinking legacy here. I'm thinking of ways to make this conversation interesting, especially with Canada's lack of depth now that they've that so many of their top sprinters are in so many different situations. Um, I I don't see anyone that can even come close to challenging them. The four by two free relay. I also agree. I mean, I think, I think the U S looks really strong in that relay also, even though on paper, Australia should be the strong favorite. Um, the Australia obviously has a lot of younger swimmers, we're kind of coming up. Um, we saw what Bella Swims is capable of last year. We saw, uh, or we've seen Aaron Gimmel 
really on the rise in the last year and a half. I think Katie Grimes could throw her name in at trials if she decides to swim that as a prelim swimmer to give someone else the the morning off. Obviously, Katie Ledecky is going to throw down in that, as she always does. So I think that's going to be one of the premier relay races. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards McEwen on, on breaststroke. I, I feel like the differential might be less with Molly O'Cal and McEwen than um, Abby Harkin. Then McEwen and Abby Harkin. And then you have McKeon and whoever on freestyle, which seems pretty deadly. I don't like thinking about it. I guess the breaststroke would still be our equalizer because we will likely have Lydia or Lily, but I, I really, and obviously as a fan, I just want to see McEwen swim on her breasts and see what she can do. Yeah, that'd be fun. And Molly O swim a hundred back. You could see a big time drop there as well. It's always interesting too, because it's, it's at the end of the meet. And I feel like for whatever reason, the U S women have that, have that relay dialed in and can kind of get up or do whatever, uh, to, to make their case at the end of the meet and always put a little oomph in that one. But if the Australian women can, can rally somehow that will once again, be a really close race, um, just as it was last summer. Okay. So Abby Harkin and Kaylee McEwen, I just looked it up. Their personal bests are within two hundredths of each other. So it's going to be a very, um, difficult decision for sure. And I was looking at swim rankings. Me if I'm wrong on that. This is why I wish we could, this is why I wish we had like cameras at, at, um, at training camps, because like, this is when we need a time trial of like a 50 or a hundred breast at X day of training camp in Australia between Kaylee McCune and Abby Hark and see, see what the deal is, which obviously won't ever happen. But so the women, they look strong, the, their relay, they could, they could, legitimately sweep the relays they're at least winning one gold medal barring total uh disaster on the men's side i don't think their medley relay looks strong uh but four by one and four by two i'd say they certainly have shots uh let's discuss the four by one first what do you think their chances are of getting on the podium in this one do you think there is a glimmer of hope that they win gold in this one. I think the main teams in the conversation for the four by one podium are Great Britain, US, Italy, and Australia. I don't think Australia is getting past Great Britain. They have, I'm pretty sure they have four 47 flat starts, which I don't think any country is beating that, Um, not even the US. And the US always pulls up with really strong relay splits. I'm counting on them to do that. So I think they can beat Italy for bronze, which I think they did that last year. And even though Alessandro Moresi was kind of off his personal best, I can see a little bit of a battle for bronze going on between those two teams, but I don't think they're going to get gold or silver. But I think they have looked they look more promising than they did last year. I remember last year, their fastest swimmer was William Yang, and his he won with a 48-4. And this year, Kyle Chalmers went 47-4. Flynn Southam broke 48. So I think 
they're in much better shape than they were last year at this time. And and who's that fourth leg going to be? Cam McAvoy? Or... I think That's he's... A good question. Like, I'm not sure if he's going to swim it because he swam in prelims, I think, at this meet and scratch finals. Or like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if he swam this meet, but I think he's fo- just focusing on 50s this year. Maybe maybe in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we pulled a quote from another interview that he did that said he's working, as Yinyan said, he's working on 50s this year, and then he's going to build up his aerobic capacity to mm-hmm. try to f- swim 100 and, and maybe do something with that um, at the Olympics, which is a shame because it's like, I'm I'm all for focusing on 50s, especially this year for world champs because you can do 50 fly too. But like, just swim a relay, you know, <laughs> like just go fly and die and see what you can do. Again, another reason why we need a camera in training camps so we can be like, there's probably going to be a hundred free time trial at some point, like like there was um in 2016 at the U.S. training camp, which we got footage of, which was awesome. Which is why U.S. training camp. I I didn't, but like there was footage filmed and made public. I was gonna uh, say like that's in part by Swim Swam, but so they had a yeah they 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 had the training camp at Atlanta um for their their staging camp before they went off to Rio, and they had a a day where people could come watch them practice, and on that day they did a hundred free time trial uh, and it was Phelps Lochte, I think Fegan, uh, maybe Jack Conger. And then I think a couple other people too, but you know, it was just like, all right, let's see what you got. This is probably, you know, this will determine if you you're good for a spot in the 400 free relay. And I feel like, I know he said that. I know he said that about his training McAvoy, but I, I wonder if, the relay really needs him and he's the difference between a podium, but maybe a bronze medal, whether we might be convinced to just break away from this training regimen for, for just a little bit and just go for it. I mean, I would, I would think he could, he can pop a good hundred no matter what, you know, it's like, he doesn't even need to necessarily do anything differently. Like it's just it's less than 50 seconds, you know, it's yeah. still pretty anaerobic, but, um, I'm I'm interested that you think Britain's a lock for gold, Yin Yin. I don't think they're a lock for gold, but I would say they're in the conversation for gold based on how good they looked at trials. Do, do you think they have a strong chance to beat the US? I'd say they have a good good chance. I wouldn't say strong because I think I feel like the US always, as I've said, they always pull up with their relay splits, especially <laughs> if Russell is healthy. But I do think Great Britain is in that conversation this year. I agree. I, I yeah, history is not on their side, but the fact that they've been able to win the four by two at the Olympics, they won the medley at 2019 Worlds. Like they know how to win relays, and they have seasoned vets on their team, like James Guy, Duncan Scott, Tom Dean, who would be on that foreigner free relay and and know what it takes and can kind of trickle that down to the younger guys, I imagine. Like, they um, have these two forty-six splits. Obviously, Duncan hasn't been 46 in a while, but with Tom Dean and then Duncan and then Matt Richards and Lewis Burris are rising, I just think that's a really, really solid team. 
Yeah, I mean, on paper, I think they have kind of the same level of dominance in the freestyle relays that the Australian women have. I mean, right up there in the same conversation, at least. It's they they look good this year. They certainly bounced back from last year um, when they kind of like squeaked out that bronze in the four by two. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm I will be excited to see that race for sure on the first night. Australian men four by two free relay. Uh, one forty six won their trials from lane one, uh, so they weren't particularly fast. Do you see them having a shot to medal? They got bronze at Tokyo and then silver last year. And I think I just like with the four by 100, I think their ceiling is bronze. And I'm actually a little bit more confident about the meddling than I was with the four by 100, just because I feel like there's less depth in the four by 200 because, um, Last year at Worlds, um, it was four through seven oh four oh was bronze, and then seven oh four six, uh, Brazil got fourth place, and they got it with a one forty five lead off from Fernando Schaffer, and then three straight one forty six splits, and I think Australia can throw down. They threw down three 145s and a 146, and I think they can repeat that this year. And I, with besides the U.S. and Great Britain, I don't see any other team being in the conversation to really medal, and especially with Russia banned. So I think the Australia has a chance there. Kai Taylor is a big X factor. I think his story is just so cool. 19 years old, gets in the final after Kyle Chalmers scratches son of Olympic swimmer Haley Lewis and pulls out the victory with the second fastest time by an Australian so far this season. So if he can repeat that, I know that was probably just like so much adrenaline going for him getting into the final after the Chalmers scratch. But if he can repeat that performance again, I think Great Britain definitely or Australia definitely has a shot at bronze. I'm mostly just interested to see who they use. I don't doubt their depth. And I think like there's just not a lot of countries that focus on this relay. And so they've got Elijah who led off in one forty five eight for them last year. They've got Sam short who was one forty six four for them last year. Ami Neal uh, qualified this year. He missed out last year, but he split one forty four seven at the Olympics. And that, I think that's pretty big for Australia. If he can replicate that. And then obviously by Taylor, um, he's on the up and up. It seems like Kyle Chalmers is always a possibility, but Mm-hmm. kind of never gets used um, or doesn't get used as much as you want them to do. So they've got the depth there. Let's move on to French trials where we can bring up other storylines, but we're certainly going to start with Leon. Uh, do you guys feel like he will safely defend his IM titles after what looked like a tiresome week for Mr. Marchand and Rene? I think people are reading way too much into his times. Like, how much does he really have to try at French trials out of all places? Because there's not much domestic competition in his primary events. I think he swam a good 200 breasts because he doesn't swim the event very often. It was the first day of the meet. I think people went a little overboard after that and expected him to break all the world records, and he didn't. But I think that's fine, and I wasn't very surprised that he didn't go as I mean 
I'm surprised that he wasn't as fast as some of his pro series times, but I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think he's going to successfully defend his 4am title. I don't think anyone's going to come close to him in that. And then um, the 2am is honestly a toss-up. He's probably going to go in as the favorite, but obviously Shane Casas, Carson Foster, uh, those people, they're going to be close behind his tail. And yeah, that's my take on his swims um, and his IM chances. I wouldn't put it past Casas to pull off a huge upset and just throw down a monster swim after what he did at the Pro Swim Series against Marshawn. That was a really fun race. But yeah, I, I, I'm still picking Leon to, to defend his titles there. That, that man hates losing. I mean, he hasn't, I don't think he's lost a single race since the 200 fly last summer to Milot, so... I am so surprised that people think the tuner I am is going to be close because <laughs> I do not. I just Carson and Shane have great best times and are great swimmers, but have not shown the consistency in racing that I, that Leon has certainly. Um, and in a world championships final, sure. Sometimes you can see someone bust out and have a really sensational swim. Um, I don't think we've seen Shane do that at a world championships, short course or long course um, yet. And so I don't have enough information on that to think that he will do it now. I think Carson has looked great all season, but Leon has looked so much better. And I don't think there is much of a, it's like Carson is more of an aerobic swimmer than Leon is. So I'm confused why people think, that Carson might be able to catch him in the shorter event. Um, even though Carson has looked good, but I'm going Leon for both IM titles by a long shot. I think he'll, I, th- I think he's going close to the world record in, in that. And I think he's going well under the world record in the four. Um, you mentioned the two fly Riley. What do we think about that? in terms of his event schedule, obviously he's already said he's not swimming in tuner breast. I, which sucks <laughs> probably won't swim the tuner free individually, which is the, uh, not surprising either. Um, but after trials, people seem very skeptical of the two fly. Uh, but I mean, I think he'll be fine in it and I think he'll absolutely be on the podium. Do you think there's any shot he takes down Milak or that he's taken down by anyone else? Um, I don't think he's beating the lock. Uh, Tomuru Honda has looked really good. I think he beats Marshawn just because the two he's looked, he's just the 200 fly is his event, and he went 152 last year. And home court advantage, <laughs> yeah, yeah, home court advantage. That and he. He, I honestly think he can be like the Orion Titmus kind of person to take down someone like Milok. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but he has also looked very strong. And obviously you have Carson Foster in the mix as like with almost all the other events that Leon Marchand swims. I do think he beats out Carson and takes bronze, but I don't think he's going to beat Milak or Honda. When uh, when in the program is the two-fly again? Do you happen to know? It conflicts I... with the uh, semi-final of the 200 IM. But he pulled, yeah. it, he pulled that off really well last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like 
I think I think it's day five is when the final is, and then the two IM semifinal is after that. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to bet against Leon, but it is it is such a tough schedule he's trying to pull off. And as we saw at French trials, he he definitely did get a little tired down the stretch. So he's been doing so much racing. It's no no hit on him that he'd be getting tired, but you have to wonder if maybe Carson gets revenge on him and steals bronze. So you guys think Carson's going to swim the two fly? I don't see why not, especially... I think that's arguably his third best event besides the IMs. I do too. I'm I'm just skeptical if he if he can handle the event load, you know, and if he wants to try to do the two fly two IM double um, as Leon did, which Leon was able to pull it off, but two two hundreds is a lot in one session. I mean, it's the first day of trial, so I I'd like I don't see why he wouldn't swim it there. Any other storylines that stood out to you from French trials? I mean, Manadou making his comeback was really cool. But for me, Beryl Gastadello just making the team, uh, not only on the mm-hmm. relay, but individually in the 100 free um, after losing her mom less than a week before trials started was pretty awesome. Um, and I couldn't imagine doing something like that. But anything else that stood out to you guys from Renee? Um, Charlotte Bonnet, uh, she broke the French record in the 200 IM. So I'm a pretty good. I think she broke the French record in the um, 100 breasts as well. And I just think it's really interesting how her event lineup is totally switching because she used to be primarily a sprint freestyle and now she's doing like breaststroke and I am. And I just find that really cool. Uh, Anastasia Kirpichnikova, uh, switching from Russian to French nationalities and uh, almost breaking a national record and breaking a 16-year French drought in world's qualification in the 1500 free. thought that was kind of a neat story um, with everything that's going on with the debate about, um, you know, Russian inclusion in the world and the Olympics. Um, I would like to see a list of the quickest national record breakers because I think she'll break the national record at Worlds and that will be two, three months after switching nationalities. Tatra Bonet is a is a curious case. I don't know if we've ever seen a freestyler completely transition to a breaststroker like that before. Douglas. Well, but she wasn't an international freestyler. No. Yeah, but that's, that's true. Th- that's a great point. Which, but Kate Douglas is probably going to swim on the foreign free relay prelims or finals. I feel like I've seen in the comments that they have speculated that charlotte's like completely off of freestyle now do you know do you guys know anything more about that no but it wouldn't surprise me i think she was having a bit of a bit of a plateau in freestyle and just changed it up i mean that's i would i would think relays might help with that because it's easier to get out of your own head but again i we don't know the full situation so who's to say but yeah the fact that she's able to transition to breaststroke and I am and just wreck it in that pretty dang cool we announced that Matt Sates and Peter Coetzee are skipping the 2023 world championships uh, because that is what their training new training plans say is the best thing to do we don't know if they'll be competing in any other meets this summer uh, but it does sound like they 
have hinted that they'll be swimming at the 2024 World Championships in preparation for the 2024 Olympic Games. Those World Championships are in early February, I believe. What do we think about this move? Because it's certainly not one that many swimmers would make. Other than just choosing to skip Worlds to focus on a future, I guess, bigger meet, we saw how that played out last year with a lot of people skipping Worlds to go to the Commonwealth Games. And quite frankly, I don't think skipping one major competition is going to help you focus swim better at another major competition especially if those competitions are so spaced out like you saw Ariane Titmus, she skipped worlds to focus on commonwealths and she added time in the 400 free at commonwealths and but Matt Sates was focusing on commonwealth as well and he didn't have the greatest performance at commonwealth games and just when you look at any other sport and I know swimming isn't any other sport you don't see athletes only competing at the biggest meet that happens every four years they're get going to different competitions getting more experience and you see a lot of swimmers doing that and they're getting better with every meet and there's a lot of athletes that pulled off worlds commonwealths euros all in one summer and they did fine and I just don't think putting so much pressure on yourself to perform at that one big meet and just getting rid of all the competition experience that other meets is a good thing, especially with the swimmer like Matt Sates. He's still really young and probably needs that world world's experience. Especially, I think he's only ever competed at Tokyo and then uh, Budapest and he was going all in on Commonwealths that year. And I just don't, yeah, I, I personally don't agree with it, but he can do whatever he thinks is best for him. That quote from Peter in the article, he goes, my coach and I decided it would be best for my preparation for 2024 to skip this world champs and train through with the next world champs being so early next year too. Does that mean he's going to go to Doha 2024? Or is, does that mean he's skipping that? It seems like it implies he will be going to Doha 2024, but we don't know. Yeah, I mean, that seems kind of like a weird decision to prioritize that meet right before Olympics when so many other swimmers have said they might skip that one. But overall, I, I don't really mind this decision that much. I think, um, like, I, I agree with, with what you're saying, Yinyan. Like, other other sports, you know, they do constant competitions, and guys like Leon Marchand show that, like, lots of racing can be beneficial. But I feel like you just have so many different – case studies like you also have cam mcavoy who didn't race all 2022 like took time to really let his body like fully recover like spent time in the gym like put on like 20 pounds of muscle and now he's like all of a sudden out of nowhere the world favorite for the 53 so if you're taking time off and you're taking time off from competition you're being like really intentional about it i think for a specific reason um then then it could be beneficial but in this case i don't think we quite have enough info to to make that call so I am seeing the comments uh, from Emily Seabom Lee, citing sources, that uh, Rocco Maring, who's Peter Coetzee's coach, did say he has, has exams during Worlds, which I feel like is a legitimate excuse not to go to a World Championships if, uh, if you're prioritizing your studies, which makes total sense. 
we don't, but that's kind of the only reason we have for either Peter or Matt Sates. Like you said, Riley, it's kind of hard to make a judgment call um, without having a little more info, which um, hopefully we'll we'll hear from them in the coming weeks and get a little more perspective on that. Um, I kind of, I always like seeing swimmers just take different paths and see if it works or not. So I'm like, all right, you're not going to go to world champs. Like, let's see how it pans out. You know, like at least someone's trying it, I guess. Uh, I, I think for optimal performance, I think it is good to get more racing in. And so I agree with union on that. And I'm hoping we see them at another major meet sometime this summer. Like maybe they'll go to the U23 games, which again, I don't, I don't even know if South Africa is sending a team, but I know that's a meet that's available. Um, it, uh, the same commenter said that, uh, yeah, some more of Coatsy's training squad is going to WUG. So maybe that means he might too, but it would be really nice for them to just get in some quality racing on an international stage this summer. And if that happens, like, then it's like, okay, yeah, skip world champs. Cool. But, um, also if they go to the February world champs, you know, that is also good experience, even though it just seems like that meet's going to be super weird and we'll see who ends up showing up to that and who doesn't. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think overall it's confusing and it's kind of like, mm, okay, um, we'll see how it goes. We've seen several, uh, elite swimmers make the jump into the D one coaching world, um, at pow major power five schools, including, uh, Melanie Margalis started at Georgia Tech. She's now going to SMU. Uh, Coleman Stewart was announced today as the new Duke assistant coach. Annie Laser is going to be the new assistant at the University of Florida. Uh, and that's 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 like half of them, I think. So there's a, a few more examples of that. But what are your takes, um, especially as like <laughs> as non swimmers or, or maybe people who haven't interacted with swim coaches a lot outside of the media? Um, what is your take on elite swimmers making the jump to the NC2A coaching world without having a ton of former coaching experience that we know of? We don't yeah. even know if these people have been like volunteering or coaching club. So just like on paper. I get why people are frustrated about um, this whole swimmers that have a lot of connections um, but our big names getting hired without experience and I can understand why people are upset about that but then also I just feel like that's how things work in any industry especially in an in industry like sports you have connections you've done a lot for the sport um, and you become you get the position and it's not just with coaching you see in like sports media a lot of the commentators on tv they're former athletes themselves they're not people that go go to school to like specifically study commentate video broadcast journalism they're people that they're big names that people know and have connections to and that's just something that happens and and then i can also understand it from perspective of a newly hired swimmer because when you're not at this level of someone who's constantly making senior international teams the only way to 
get in stay involved in swimming after college and still earn a stable income is through the avenue of coaching and where else would what else would they do to stay involved and if they have those connections then why not use them so my my opinion is like I can understand why people are upset but also it's just something that's gonna happen and I think we should embrace it and let these people take these new opportunities I think being an international level swimmer is just such a, a unique experience um, that, I mean, yeah, to say that someone like any of the coaches we just listed doesn't have any experience is, is just ridiculous. I mean, I got had the pleasure of talking to Coleman Stewart on the phone recently, and he was just mentioning how, you know, he looks back on his career and he sees kind of this not high profile recruit at all who like really through like coaching and like training and by committing to like his developmental program was able to get onto this big stage of breaking a world record and having a pretty pretty solid career um so i think someone like that having seen that and lived that experience of knowing that even you know the last swimmer on your roster can do great things and everyone can do great things not just your your biggest recruits I think you're going to see that translate into coaching and him, you know, investing time in, in everyone's potential, not just, you know, the best swimmers. And to, it's easy to think that, but to, to actually have been that swimmer, to have made that jump thanks to coaching, um, I think you're going to see that really translate into a great coaching career for him just based on his swimming career. I'm just confused or at a loss or would love to hear the perspective of, of someone who really has an issue with this of what they feel like an elite swimmer is missing aside from just hours on the deck, but you get a, a completely different experience um, by, by being able to perform the sport at an elite level. And that's not really something that you can gain from coaching experience, but coaching experience is something you can gain from coaching experience. So it's like, well, why wouldn't I want to hire this person who has this complete X factor that a person who has spent five years in the college coaching ranks absolutely does not and will never have when I could just <clears throat> hire the person who has the X factor for five years and then they have that same amount of experience. Yeah, I think Braden mentioned something in his op-ed about this, about how these Olympians, these big name swimmers have this unique experience that not like your regular coach can have. And like, even if like you don't have that experience, there are ways that you can make up for it just by like putting yourself out there, maybe getting involved on social media. And instead of getting upset at these coaches, like can maybe th it's a little cliche, but maybe you can think about like, what you can do to like make yourself appealing in the same way that these Olympians are and that sounds difficult to do on paper but there's like alternative methods I, I also understand the argument of well <clears throat> if I'm a you know if, if I was a mediocre swimmer and then I coached I, I volunteered for three years and then I was an assistant coach at a small school for two years and then you know I worked my way up and it took me I don't know, 10 years to get an NC2A D1 uh, power five assistant job. But then, you know, and I got passed up by an elite swimmer. It's like, well, the elite athlete also put 10 years of hard work into their career. 
it just happened that their career was swimming, which is also applicable experience to be a swim coach. So like, while it's not necessarily the same, I do feel like that if the head coach has a serious discussion with both of those candidates and they feel like one or the other has the tools that they're looking for in an assistant and, and is moldable and, and can display that they can learn and grow on the job, then it's like, I feel like both of these people have put 10 years into the pool. It's just through different avenues. Non-swimmers can gain that sort of like unique qualification to like, uh, I think data analytics is a great example of how a non-swimmer can bring something to the table that kind of allows them to, to jump the ladder, so to speak as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely look at people like Ken Ono, Russell Mark, I'm not really sh- sure of their backgrounds in swimming, but they've done like so much for swimming outside of being a swimmer. And I think those people are very important in swimming as well. It's not just coaching. Totally agree. I can bring some context to both of those people. Russell Mark swam at Virginia for a few years, but was, you know, not an elite level swimmer. Um, and then, you know, he got a degree from UVA and then uh, went on to do other smart people things and then finally uh, went to work for USA swimming as an intern and then worked his way up to you know being their their number one data guy for for a long long time and now he's at Aska in a similar role you know just just teaching people about swimming in many different ways that they wouldn't have seen before um and then Ken Ono I do not believe was a swimmer himself but his son swam through high school he swam at Emory where Ken uh, taught for many years. And so he was involved in swimming in that way, eventually made his way to UVA for his career and then wanted to just Andrew Wilson at Emory. And that's how he got really involved there. Right. Correct. Yeah. So he worked with Andrew Wilson at Emory. He worked with a lot of people on the Emory swim team, I think as a whole. Um, but yes, that's right. And then once he was at UVA, just kind of wanted to do a similar thing of being involved. You can get a lot of experience that you can bring to swimming that is not just coaching. So that's our news for the week. Let's finish things off with a couple rounds of sink or swim. Sink or swim number one. Going back to Australian trials, we talked about Cam McAvoy. He had a very successful meet. He went two best times, his first two best times since 2016. Seven years without a best time. That's awesome for, for Mr. McAvoy. Do we think he will medal in the 50 freestyle at the 2023 World Championships? I'm going to swim it that he medals. He just seems very all in this year. I saw that uh, you asked um him to do an interview Coleman and he was like I'm gonna be keeping it on the download until after world so I think I took that as a sign as like he's really focused and like really doesn't want to mess this up because I know at Australian trials in 2016 when he really broke out he like really underperformed at the Olympics I, I don't think he wants that to happen again and he's the fastest swimmer in the world right now 21-2 that would have won worlds last year won silver in the olympics and obviously Bren, ben proud is there michael andrew josh lando they're on 24 21 4 21 5-ish range but if he adds two tenths which is a lot in a 53 he can probably still medal and that's a lot of room for error 
especially if Dressel's not there, then I think he has a shot at meddling and potentially even winning. I've already mentioned Cam twice so far on the pod, so I gotta gotta swim this one. Um, definitely think he's gonna continue his hot streak, though I'd probably put him more in the range of where he was in the final around 21-4 instead of 21-2 if I had to make a prediction, but I still think that's gonna be good enough for, for medal. Yeah, I think Cam's a, a tougher one for me just because he has been a little inconsistent historically from trials to the big international meet. Uh, he seven was years in, seven right. And then he yeah, hasn't swam super well since then. Uh, but I think even in like 14, 15, 16, when he was at that kind of first peak of his career, you know, he wasn't able to, to translate his success in his home country onto the bigger stage individually. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't win medals in 15 or 16 individually. Uh, pools, that's the problem. <laughs> it's those what pools? 39 meter pools. pools. Exactly. It's, yeah. And- so... Go ahead, Riley. Maybe some of that comes with maturity too. I think he was what 21, 22 yeah. at that time. And also like got just a ton of pressure heaped on him. I'm sure mm-hmm. as like, you know, he just pops this 47 hundred freestyle and all of a sudden just like, holy, like you're the guy now. All right. Um, so like, I get it. I am just, it's hard for me to, to swim this. Because even from prelims to finals, he added 0.14, which doesn't seem like a ton, but in a 50 is like, okay, like that's not super consistent. However, if he is able to replicate that range, I don't, I don't see him not meddling. You know, I, I I don't really know what Bruno Fratis's status is right now. This year, because he had an injury, I think. Okay, uh, that's what I thought, but I didn't, so like I don't really think he'll be there. I think Florent looks good. Florence. I don't even know what American sprinters are doing right now. So, I mean, I think Michael Andrew will be there. Caleb might be. Who knows if there will be a third one? Um, but I think if he pops off a time, twenty-one two to twenty-one five, I do think that medals. And so. Uh, Given that Japan is not too far from Australia, I, again, I, I bring up home court advantage all the time, but I do think that is an advantage, especially when people are traveling from Europe in the U.S. That's like a 14-hour time difference. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you have time to acclimate, I do think that makes a difference. So I'll swim. He's meddling as well. Reagan Smith or Kaylee McEwen, who is going to be the backstroke queen of Fukuoka? I'm going to go with Kaylee and this is a very this was a very hard decision I think especially the 100 back is going to be such a nail biter but it just boils down to this more consistent recent success faster season best this year equals bigger favorite will win that's it (laughs) very succinct love it (laughs) yeah I, I don't have an equation but I it, it it feels like obviously on paper Kaylee is the favorite, but it just feels like Reagan's gonna gonna do something to surprise us. The Bob Bowman magic effect, she's been on this upward trajectory. I'm still taking Kaylee in the two hundred, but I'll go with 
with Reagan for the upset in the 100. She is the defending world champ in the 100 back. She obviously has to make the team first in both of those events for these battles to happen, which she hasn't for the last two major international meets. But I think it's I think it's safe to say that she will. I want to throw a curveball in there and be like Kylie Moss, but I just I do I do not see it. Uh, I I think Kylie is a seasoned veteran who knows how to swim in finals and knows how to get her hand on the wall for a medal, which I think she will, in at least one of those events. Um, but I think at this point Reagan and Kaylee have distanced themselves so much to the point that they're on an island. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Riley on this one. I'm thinking one and one. I think Kaylee has has got the two hundred down, and I think Reagan is gonna gonna touch her out in the hundred. Most likely, it's one one, but I just think Kaylee's the favorite. That's our news for the day. Thank you for tuning in. This is the swim swim breakdown, and we will see you next time.